Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff. I'm joined as always by my good buddies Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael debate, deliberate the most ubiquitous aspects of many different topics. And this week's topic is the Mount Rushmore of oafs. No, no, no. Lovable oafs. Thank you. <laughs> Big difference. Yeah, I mean, any, any oaf can be an oaf. <laughs> That's right. It takes a special kind of oaf to be lovable. Yeah. I just think oaf, I don't know, the think of imply is almost like a harmless, like a non-lovable oaf. Would that, oh. Well, you could also just be kind of an ambivalent ambivalent about the oaf. You could be like a... A big hulking person that nobody has You could has be it. like a, you know, like a elementary school bully. Yeah. Like, uh, who, who is that? Oh, who is like the bully that uh, Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes would often like do battle with? Yeah. And he was just this guy that had like this haircut that covered his eyes and just go around mm-hmm. and socking Calvin. Yeah. He, I would describe him as an oaf, but, you know, had no redeemable, yes. lovable features. Yes. The oafishness is the lack of couth and intelligence and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad we dialed that in before we get too far into the topic. Um, but we will not be discussing lugs. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> goons? <laughs> goons? Out. Goons are out. Yeah. Lugs? Yeah. Goons? Lugs? Yeah. It, uh, lunks, no lunks? No, maroons? Yeah. No maroons. <laughs> uh, if somebody does bring up a lug, a lunk, a maroon, or goofs? Just set off the like the lug alarm. The lug alarm. Yeah. <laughs> Just ring that bell. Ding 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 ding. ding. They have that at uh, any any Planet sort Fitness, of <laughs> any sort of uh, 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 oh what's his name uh, Bugs Bunny villain. Yeah. Would be like a yeah. goon. Yeah. Like when he fought like the masked, you know the the crusher uh-huh. or uh, uh, <laughs> right. What was that? I'm trying to think of the name. Uh, the Shropshire Slasher, although I would I would argue for, like, redeemable qualities of the Shropshire yeah. Slasher. Okay. But. All right. Well, okay. The terms uh, have been said with Marquis D. Queensbury rules <laughs> and <laughs> no no lugs. Okay. So uh, um, I would say, uh, I don't know. <laughs> What's going on there? What's, you smell the dead thing? I just got, just got a whiff of the dead got thing. Got a hit of the dead yeah. thing. There's something in the Mount Rushmore studios right now that may have recently uh, is bereft so, of so, life. Something died, and so, it's our, our uh, downloads, yeah. our yeah. listenership. <laughs> That's what we're smelling yeah. coming off the computer right yes. now. Yes, our future is podcasters. <laughs> okay, Richard, uh, oaf it up. All right, so my first choice is Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, oh wow. Great choice. That's a fun one. And mainly because... John C. Riley has the ultimate yeah. oaf voice. Yeah. I mean, it is it is perfect voice actor casting. It is great, yeah. I mean, if, hey, if you want somebody to... Yeah. I can't do it, John C. Much like any other voice, I can't yeah. do it. We, but, I was interviewing the creators of that show, uh, the director and co-directors, and uh, one of them, just in the middle of it, started going... Well, I guess if if my dad had a hammer, uh, I got that lucky hammer. <laughs> he started doing a perfect John C. Riley. Like that's great. Yeah, yeah. I you have to imagine they envisioned it as that voice, and then they're just like, "Oh, he happens to be available." Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, I love I love the movie. I have I still haven't seen the second one. Um, yeah. I'm sure it's lovely and fine. Just fine. Yeah. Um, but I, I love the first one. I love the concept that Wreck It Ralph has enough self-awareness to know that he's an oaf. Mm. Yeah. But he doesn't know how to stop being an oaf. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have... 
he he doesn't he can't stop being clumsy and kind of too strong for his own good and too big for his own good and kind yeah. of just oafish. Um, I just love that idea that because I think a lot of times we think of oafs as being sort of not self aware. Mm-hmm. They're just sort of out there living their own life sure. in this other plane that's just different from everybody else. And Ralph's keenly aware of that. He knows how much that sets him apart from everybody else and makes him kind of different. Mm. And that's what he wants to try to, that's why he wants to try and be a hero. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to mix the terms op- oaf up with villain, somehow he winds up being lovable even though he is the bad guy. Yeah. In, in <laughs> Zangief. The, yeah. In the uh in in the video game. Yeah, that's a fun choice. Uh, be, I think what was that statement somebody saying like stupidity is kind of like death. You don't you don't experience it, but other people feel it very pro- profoundly. Right. <laughs> and uh and I think with oafs the some of them I think of like henchmen for uh mad scientists or uh, uh cattle rustlers or something right. <laughs> they do not have that awareness that they are um you know squeezing the rabbit too hard <laughs> right know, or, oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so. and yeah we did not have a, a tell me about the rabbit George yeah. moment on wreck it ralph it, thank god is it because oh. ralph knows that they are living in the context of video games and that they're all kind of uh ca- there's a cast system somewhat yeah, I think I think, yeah. I think there's an element of that to it. Um, I, I I think that I think that his striving to be something other than an oaf is what makes him lovable. Yeah, in and of itself. Yeah. So I think that that's if we're talking about if we're trying to figure out what makes an oaf what makes an oaf lovable versus just an oaf. Uh huh. I think part of that is just the idea that you know there's an attempt to try and be something other than just big and dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right, uh, Winfield. What's your first? Who's your first oaf? Well, you kind of edged close to it okay. uh, with the word henchman and oh. my first choice is Otis played by Ned Beatty in <laughs> Superman the movie oh, and Superman 2 where Otis uh, one thing I love about Lex Luthor in the movies or just uh, kind of super villains in general yeah. is that they do surround themselves with the dumbest and the worst people Yeah, and what I like about Otis is that he's not evil he's just he's one he's a very helpful character he's just not very Right. Right. Yeah. He's trying to help Mr. Luthor in the way he says, mm-hmm. I thank you, Mr. Luthor. <laughs> He's trying to help him so constantly, but screws it all up. Yeah. Whether it's writing down like the wrong missile codes for his cockamamie <laughs> uh, decision to blow up the uh, the West Coast of the United States. Yeah. Um, uh, bringing like a, a bathrobe into like the big pool that Lex Luthor is mm-hmm. swimming in and, and soaking up all the water and yeah. driving crazy. And there's just like, the, it's like a Lex Luthor, um, who's the actor that plays him? Uh, Ned Beatty. Hackman. Oh, no, Hackman. Uh, Hackman almost has like this, um, you know, this Frankenstein's monster in uh, Young Frankenstein look about him when he's just like rolling his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and he can't believe that these are the people, him and Miss Tessmacher, that he's like, he's this genius uh-huh. and he's surrounded by boobs yeah literally and um, figuratively with Mr. <laughs> right. yeah. Um but he's he's so I think it's like he's so eager to help but he just he can't he's gonna knock over lamps yeah. he's gonna rip pages out he's he's gonna do everything wrong mm-hmm. but then what's what's who else is Lex gonna turn to someone that's gonna actually challenge him intellectually someone who's gonna challenge him physically I don't even think that like he's this great big muscle of a person yeah. He's just a person that you go, uh, 
go get mm-hmm. my bagel order and god i hope <laughs> it's not mostly screwed up like you expect it to come back wrong but not like like not even a bagel yeah <laughs> just it's like bagel a bag of bagel chips comes back and it's like that's all they had mr luthor and it's like oh oh it is i do wonder why luthor who is uh a ruthless criminal feels some some loyalty to this guy <laughs> like i wonder was there a scene we missed where hmm. uh where um, Otis saved him from being hit by the B train or something like that, or why, why, why does he care about this guy? I don't. That's a very good question. I they yeah. I don't think they ever. His ego is such that even though he's intellectually powerful, I think he does need to surround himself with people who amplify that. Uh, yeah. By, by the difference. And if they're suck ups, all the better. Yeah. The the moment that is just you know. When he's writing out all the different, he has all the different names of the towns along the mm-hmm. the other side of the San Andreas Fault, and it's like Lutherville and yeah. <laughs> uh, Lexburg, and then it's just and then Otisburg, and he he's just like, well, I just thought that I could have a small a small <laughs> town. It's so innocent, it's so just yeah. honest, and you're just like, oh, this guy. This is why you love. Like that's what really keyed me into just the word lovable loves is like, ah, oh, he's stuck in prison, but yeah. Oh, I feel so bad for this guy that just wants to help this evil villain take yeah. over the world. And I think um, Valerie Perrine playing this gun mall kind of uh, character and Otis definitely, I think Richard Donner was adding a layer of like a Howard Hawks kind of comedy because the whole um, Daily Planet is kind of like the front page or it's kind of like something from a Tracy Hepburn kind of film or bringing up baby or something where there's kind of this nerdy button-down guy and a very assertive woman like a Katherine Hepburn kind of character so yeah uh, Hackman and, and Beatty seem to be kind of filling in that that part there god that uh, you read read the book Richard Darnett's book about what the first draft of the screenplay for that movie was and it was just like it was more akin to the most successful superhero franchise at that time which was the Batman TV show so it had campy, horrible things like um, Clark breaks up a date with Lois um, or excuses himself to go to the bathroom. He has to go fly around the world really quickly to find Lex Luthor. He sees a bald guy walking down um, Fifth Avenue, taps him on the shoulder. It's Telly Savalas. Of course. Yeah. Who loves you, baby? <laughs> like, like oh, That's the script that Richard Donner said. No, we can't. We that's can't incredible. Oh, oh, oh. Well, and congratulations on making choices that we cannot kill off. Oh, you're welcome. Let's see who else is on my list. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, yes. Because yes. yeah. <laughs> of recent deaths, yeah. <laughs> we cannot kill Oof. off these people. I, funnily enough, I think when I first saw that film, I had not seen Deliverance. I had not seen some other Ned Beatty stuff where he was a legit character or legit dramatic actor. You hadn't seen Network when hadn't you were Hadn't seen 10. Network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just thought he was an oaf. Uh, okay, uh, Manfredi, what's your, who's your second oaf? My second oaf is Fezzik. Oh, awesome. From yeah, The Princess nice. Bride. He's the oafish. Oaf. Yeah. yeah. Um, played by Andre the Giant, who certainly was not an oaf in real life. Was Would be more of a brute yeah. than an oaf. Mm. He is the brute's god. <laughs> um, and, and Fezzik kind of falls into the Wreck-It Ralph category a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that Fezzik really... He doesn't want to he, look. He doesn't want to be fighting people. He doesn't really want to be punching people in the head and knocking them out and mm-hmm. smashing their brains around. He he just wants to make rhymes. Yeah, you know. And he's been told his whole life how dumb he is, that he'll never amount to anything because he's so stupid. 
And of course, it turns out in the end of the movie, he, who's the one who has the good thought to get all the horses? Oh. It's Fezzik, yeah. of course. Yeah. Which is this nice little capper for him. Mm-hmm. But I just love this. I, I, I love Fezzik as a character. I think that he's in the books and in the movie, in the book and in the movie. Um, he's really portrayed as somebody who is striving, much like Wreck-It Ralph, is striving for something beyond oafdom. Yeah. And I think that's that's relatable. Because yeah. aren't we all, in some ways, don't we all kind of feel like oafs on the inside mm-hmm. sometimes? Yeah. And we just want to like, <laughs> oh, can I just <laughs> not do this oafish and stupid thing yeah. <laughs> that I know I'm going to do? Yeah. Can I just not do that, make that stupid choice? Yeah. So I think that's part of why we like to see our oafs have that redemption mm-hmm. arc to th- arc to them. I don't remember in Superman. I haven't seen Superman two in years. I can't remember if there's any redemption arc ever for Otis, or if he just continues to be the goon. Unfortunately, with Otis, he's left behind by Lex Luthor oh. and Miss Tessmacher in like the first, in like the opening act. Like they they have this elaborate scheme to break out of the prison. And uh, Miss Tesma, or it's you know Otis and Luthor are in jail, and Miss Tessmacher comes down. She has this big um, hot air balloon, and Otis is like too you know they turn him into a big fat guy, and I guess Otis was too heavy, and he kept trying to climb up the rope ladder to escape, <laughs> and then Lex just kind of cut the rope ladder oh, loose. I was like, well, no, so, sorry. He's like, good luck, Mister Luthor. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. It's like okay, and they never address it again. I don't think they they he doesn't come back within Superman two and Superman. Three is the weirdest movie you'll ever yeah. see, and Superman right. Four is just uh, it's shit. We don't we don't talk about that. Yeah, one. but um, no, he has no. He's just. <laughs> I'm sure he's just happy in prison. He probably mm-hmm. finds some other like super genius in there. You know, glom uh, on to Mentalo. You know, Metalo's in there somehow, <laughs> or uh, Brainiac. Yeah, he's just like no problem, Brainiac. <laughs> so I, I just I, I just wonder, you know, like with Oafs, there seems to be this need for them to attach themselves to somebody else who they think has the intelligence and yeah. the charm mm. and everything else that they they perceive themselves as lacking. Yeah. They're kind of a sidekick with more power than and they they could also prob- often overpower the their boss physically. Sure, if yeah. they ever turned on them. Yeah. Their boss would and their boss in their back of their mind kind of knows this. Mm-hmm. Um so there's always that that kind of that maybe maybe this might happen yeah 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 Yeah, but with Fezzik you know you know he's he believes that his whole life is destined to be hired muscle Mm -hmm. and that's why he can't believe that he's got this opportunity to hang out with these people who don't treat him like a fucking idiot yeah and that's why I think what engenders the loyalty he winds up having to Mm -hmm. Indigo Montoya and etc etc I wish I was more familiar with um Greek or Roman mythology or character archetypes to know, but I, I think Shakespeare has a few characters that are like guards or grave diggers or people who are covering for act changes in the main plot line of the 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 movie who are sitting there bemoaning their lot in life and saying, I guess it's my fate, the stars have been cast and this is who I'm going to be. But I wonder who was the first oaf? I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Who was the historic? Was there any historical oafs? Yeah, that it was based that the the first oaf was based off of biblical oafs. There must have been like a, a like all the apostles in the Bible. <laughs> there must have been like a like a dumb guy in like the Odyssey. Yeah, that was just like uh, his probably his probably name was like Duke or something. Yeah, 
Butch. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, my God, here he comes again. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, he's the one that got us stuck on this island with his minotaur, whatever the shit's <laughs> happening now. Fuck. He cut the rope for the boat and it sailed away. <laughs> See you guys later. How about this bull guy over here? <laughs> Mr. Hercules. <laughs> Mr. Hercules. <laughs> okay, who's your second? Who's Oaf Deuce? My Oaf second choice is the character Dauber from oh. the TV series Coach. Oh, wow. Uh, Michael Dauber. Have, haven't thought about him in <laughs> a, a, a spell. Sure, 20 years probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, played by um, Bill Fagerbaki. I don't know okay. quite how to pronounce his name because I've only yeah. read it on screen. Yeah. And it was like, oh, yeah, so Dauber. <laughs> okay. Um, he is like the assistant coach to the Craig T. Nelson head coach. He's not even the assistant coach. He's the special teams coach, which must be a unfortunate oh, no. play yeah. on on his own uh you know kind intellectual of qualities. intellectual <laughs> quality but he carries that same thing that all of these lovable o's do is always try to be extremely helpful um always trying to kind of getting everything wrong or being talked down to by the higher ups certainly the head coach talks down you know yeah he talks down to everybody whether it's his daughter or uh -huh. his girlfriend christine or um, the Jerry um, Van Dyke mm -hmm. character, whose name I can't remember. I think his name was also Jerry. But um, he's just, just this guy that takes it and wears it because he's also an ex-football player Yeah, that went to that school. And you, I read a little bit about him, and I, I guess he's a, he basically just kind of stayed. He was like an ex-football player that just kind of stayed on the coaching staff and never mm -hmm. quite graduated until like years and years later, and they find out that – he has like three different degrees. He's had he's taken enough courses to act to graduate like three times over. But he's just ultimately a really nice guy, even though he's a big dumb lug and talked down upon. But will occasionally like I think a lot of kind of oafish characters like Fezzik will come up with a great idea. We'll come up with a solution absent-mindedly. The secretly smart or the unintentionally smart character. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're very clear on mm -hmm. whatever they're trying to say, and that ultimately is, even though sometimes what they're trying to say is um, not smart at times. It's the, the little highs and lows. It's the highs mm -hmm. that really stand out. Yeah. Did you either of you picked a character from 8 Mile by any chance? No. <laughs> yeah. There's a Cheddar Bob, I think, is this character. He's the kind of oafish um, kind of guy who is part of i think his role is to be whiter than eminem <laughs> um but i think right before the final battle he eminem or rabbit's character is nervous about what's going to happen he thinks he's just going to get annihilated because the other character anthony mackie character is pretty much just uh, uh ruined his life outside of that venue and right cheddar bob says well you know everything he's going to say about you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and so yeah so uh Rabbit just says it all first. Right. So, so, but yeah, the 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 oafish character kind of speaking, sharing sharing the piece of brilliance or wisdom that uh, that uh, nobody else has. So cool. Hey, we're we're at our, our halftime. Cruising. <laughs> Look, we're lovable, aren't we? The Mount Rushmore podcast. <laughs> I'm on. Do us a solid, and uh, don't let us go through these summer lows. Uh, download, rate, and review past episodes. Uh, put your all the devices that you have on some kind of auto subscribe so that uh, whether you listen to us or not, you download the episode. You know, we're, we're all getting through this pandemic. We're all getting back to seeing our parents, yeah. loved ones. Sneak onto your dad or your mom's phone. 
Yeah. Auto-subscribe. They don't know what they're downloading at all times anyway. That's right. My dad was talking about how he was using the WhatsApp app to talk to his like aunt in England the other day. And I was like, how do you know? How do you know this? How do you? And, then, and then it was like 10 minutes of like them trying to talk at each other back and forth. And he's like, it's not, she's trying to talk. It's a thing. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, boy. God, I so glad that I downloaded <laughs> I, I, I signed him up uh, years and years ago to to download our podcast yeah. weekly how many how many um, gigs of memory is just him not of knowing the where they are yeah. god I gotta check my By the way, sorry about the euros Chris oh well this happens it's a soccer thing uh, okay I'm sorry I hope I didn't interrupt that but I heard like a boop boop like a almost like a phone was vibrating did somebody get a message or something no okay it's, there's no problem. I just wanted to make sure that my our recorder wasn't going. Nope. Dead stop okay. Okay. Cool. Um, and if you uh, found Mount Rushmore podcast because you were searching uh, for freedom from communist California and you were going right to the Mount Rushmore National Monument in Rapid City, South Dakota, uh, welcome. There's some ideas and thoughts here that might challenge you, but we are glad you found us. Um, we do get tagged on Twitter occasionally mm-hmm. with somebody who is wants to is just talking about Mount Rushmore. Is that right? Just randomly tags three or four different handles that they think are Mount Rushmore related, like the the official Mount Rushmore like, yeah. Twitter page, and then a few others. And take it. We'll be one of them, and I'm just I don't feel like correcting them. Yeah. yeah no. Okay, so uh, we are back. Uh, the topic is lovable oafs. Uh, we've got four great choices to start off with. And Richard is now going to share his third oaf. My third oaf is Hunts Hall. Oh, wow. From the uh, Bowery Boys or Dead the Dead End, End Kids. Kids. Yeah. Also, no, also maybe known to me at first as the uh, as the inspiration for Rick, ne- Rick yeah. Nielsen from, yeah. <laughs> uh, from Cheap, Cheap Trick. Tri- yeah. Kind of his character on stage uh-huh. was sort of shaped by Hunts Hall yeah. in a lot of ways. So uh, for people who don't know, uh, Hunts Hall, there was a... Uh, I would be one of them. Yeah, so is. we will go in, mm-hmm. go into it. There was actually a play called uh, The Dead End Kids. It's called Dead End. They're Dead End, On thank Bra- you. Yeah. And yeah. They, he was one of the Dead End Kids. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, they were all actors, but they were playing these sort of like juvenile delinquent, like 15-year-old kids. Um, the play got adapted into a movie, and they just basically took the whole cast and yeah. just shipped them off to Los Angeles. And... Wound up, they wound up appearing in all these sort of as the dead end kids in all of these sort of 30s era, 40s era gangster type movies like Angels with Dirty Faces. Yeah, they're in that. They're like the if you needed a group of kids who to really idolize the gangster anti-hero. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mickey, got yeah. any gum? Yeah, oh, there you his, go, kids. Just to, just to cut you off, his I mean, just reading down his Wikipedia page is great of characters he's played. Uh, Glimpy Friedhoff, <laughs> Glimpy. <laughs> Glimpy McCluskey, uh, Sailor Glimpy, Glimpy Glimply, Private Caraway, Horace DeBussy, Satch Jones. He's played that one. <laughs> Looks right. like the most. It's incredible. It's pretty great. Yeah. And then the they eventually turned in morphed into the Bowery Boys, which wound up becoming instead of this these dramatic roles, and them as kind yeah. of the comic relief in in as in these dramatic movies. They wound up becoming like three Stooges characters, yeah. essentially. <laughs> and it was Hunts Hall and... Uh, Leo Gorsi. Leo Gorsi, yeah. yeah. And Hunts Hall was like the big tall one. And he wore his hat either with the brim up or mm-hmm. backwards. He was probably <laughs> the... F- maybe the first cool kid yeah. <laughs> to wear the hat flipped up yeah. ever. 
and he his role was basically to be like the the big galoot mm-hmm. to Leo Gorsi's sort of like scheming sort of yeah they were kind of like a junior Abbott and Costello yeah. with these other other Bowery boys that no one really remembers anymore and it just of course they got more and more they were fighting you know eventually they were fighting nazis in the (laughs) 40s good it got to the 50s hunts hall is like this is what i loved about hunts hall he's like 35 years old and he's still playing the same yeah hunts hall character the same bowery boy who's supposed to be like 17 18 years old Mm -hmm. so i i think i chose hunts hall because it's it's such an archetype and it's sort of a cautionary tale that if you you can get typecast as this one sort of oaf and just sort of get <laughs> stuck playing him for pretty yeah. much the rest of your life. Yeah. That's funny, though, the the life of a character actor and inability to kind of break free. I would also say that as we are adjacent to a cemetery in the uh, not the economic peak of Los Angeles uh there's a good chance Hunts Hall is about 20 feet away from us. <laughs> over, over. I mean, it could be smell. That could be the smell. Could be Hunts Hall. Oh boy. <laughs> well, that's a fun. That's a fun one. I, I saw this. I think that falls into the fun category that I think we entertained before with like Mash. Alice doesn't live here anymore, uh, and um, other things that went from drama to comedy. Right. Somehow. Uh, yeah. Hunts uh, Hall, wow. Yeah, I was watching a uh, short or a first bit of a movie where Hunts Hall's character gets tonsillitis mm-hmm. and he gets his tonsils removed and suddenly has this magnificent Irish tenor singing <laughs> voice, <laughs> which is another frequent feature of an oaf is they have like one unexpected thing that they do yeah. super well that nobody yeah. knows about until it sort of randomly pops up at the most <laughs> opportune moment. That's very much an oaf thing yeah. to do. Well, that reminds me of, I think, as a kid, I remember seeing the... Bowery Boys, but then when I discovered SCTV, one of the first episodes was oh, with the Bowery Boys, the Bowery the Boys in the band, band. yeah. <laughs> so uh, merging, you know, and actually groundbreaking drama uh, about musicians and um, <laughs> you know, with uh, with the Bowery Boys. Robin Williams playing the Hunts All character. Yes. <laughs> so, okay, all right. Uh, Winfield, my third choice is Sloth from oh, wow. the Goonies. Okay. Yep. To considered him. Yep. Uh, he is a character that, like all of these oafs, um, has a real strength to him that um, is first kind of um, seems to be based on his like ugliness and his size. Yeah. That he does have this ultimate kind of strength of character for being a person that has been um, locked up in a oh yeah locked up in a cage basically chained chained in watching i love lucy or uh-huh. who knows what i'm sure it was i love lucy i don't have no idea <laughs> but um uh, you know in the goonies a chunk is thrown down chunk one of the goonies is thrown down into this room with uh with sloth and he's like seemingly like this monster with these you know horrible kind of disfigured face and not quite able to speak all that intelligibly 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 yeah, a word. I yeah, can, you yeah. just that's it. I can get there. Yeah, he got there. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, Chunk just really starts to fall in love with him. Yeah, and just really is like, oh, he just wants he just wants a baby Ruth bar. He just <laughs> he just wants to have something to eat, just like me. He just wants ice cream. And um, he kind of develops just like this relationship with this guy, and he, you know, seemingly joins them. But at the same time, while he's helping them, he still has this. Um, 
uh, affection for his mom, for yeah. Mama Fratelli, yeah. and still goes back to save them. Still, even though he kind of helps the Goonies escape from mm. their perilous situation, uh, ultimately is the one that, uh, he's a good mama's boy. Yeah. And he still goes back. And so there's, it doesn't matter how, uh, you know, mistreated a, an oaf can be, mm-hmm. they still have a sense of loyalty one way or the other. And yeah. I think that he's just great in that regard. That's an interesting kind of observation is that the core of goodness that necessitates that they must help in any way they can, whether they're mistreated or not, um, or whether they're um, uh, playing both sides of the coin <laughs> in this case of helping the Goonies too. That that was one of those films that just slipped by me. I was too old by the time I got to see Goonies to, I think, sit down and really kind of enjoy I it. Appreciate it. Yeah, and some of the dialogue was seemed to Corey Corey Hames. Uh, Corey uh, Corey is he Feldman? Feldman. Feldman. Wasn't Hame? Or are they both in it? No. Who was the kind of the foul-mouthed one? Was that Feldman? Feldman. Okay, sorry. Okay. Thank you. Sorry, Corey Feldman. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's awesome. Were you too old to play the terrible NES game Goonies 2, which <laughs> wasn't in any way based on anything? No. Okay. No. That's a terrible game. Okay. Just checking your age here. All right. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, the final oaf. Final oaf from me. Del Griffith from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, fun. And I think unlike Wreck-It Ralph, yeah. Del is, has no understanding or idea at all that he's an oaf. Yeah. He doesn't, he's just, he is the oaf that is out there in his own plane. Yeah. Who just doesn't understand that his actions are oafish Mm -hmm. and are causing like harm and trouble for other people. He just wants to help. Yeah. And he just wants a friend. Mm -hmm. And he's found somebody that he thinks he can help and be a friend to. And he is determined that he is going to help get this guy back home to Chicago. Mm Mm-hmm. Even though he doesn't see that all of his actions are actually keeping him yeah. from getting home to <laughs> Chicago and making the whole situation worse. <laughs> and in, in other hands, this character could have been very unlikable. Yeah. The way, even the way he's written, just sort of, uh, you know, the over-the-top nature of Dell could have just, could have been somebody where you're like, okay, I'm sick of this guy. I get it. I understand why Steve Martin doesn't want to be around him anymore. But the fact that it's John Candy and John Candy could kind of just turn on the kind of charm. Yeah. Makes you believe that you would still feel bad for Dell and let him try and let him try to help you even after all of the shit that he's put you through. Yeah. And I think that's 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 something that is unique maybe to an oaf is this just sort of idea that, like you said with uh, with Otis from, mm-hmm. from Superman, from Superman, you know, maybe maybe let Mister Luthor feels bad for him, or there's just something about him that just makes him kind of allow him to keep working for him. Yeah, even though deep down inside he's got to know he can. He can go to Henchman's R Us and pick up a better henchman. The henchman union could probably send over somebody a little bit yeah. better, and much the same way with with Dell. I imagine Luthor believes what what um, uh, Martin's character learns is that an oaf 
blunders his way through life for better or for worse, and that he right. often will blunder them out of a uh, bad situation because I think of his innocence. Like people, yes. people have can just feel the hit of naivete coming off this person. <laughs> there is something uh, like you, you just said, the innocence yeah. of an oaf. Yeah. You know, all of these characters pretty much that we have talked about are very innocent characters mm. and they, they have a strong sense of loyalty. Mm-hmm. I could see though, if it was Belushi playing that, not that that would have been a possibility, but no, it would have even Blutarski has this kind of edge to him that uh, would, it almost seems Belushi just seems dangerous, <laughs> right? And yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a reason why neighbors didn't yeah. work. Yeah, and yeah. When you've got Belushi playing the straight man, yeah, it's not going to work. And yeah, I mean, there's any number of character actors who probably you could have envisioned to some extent in the role, uh-huh. but there would have been, like you said, this sort of edge to it, or this sort of me- maybe this meanness crossing over into it. And John Candy is able to play someone who. All I can think of is the Johnny LaRue character yeah. from SCTV, yeah. who does horrible things sometimes, is completely an insensitive clod, yeah. but he's so charming, yeah. and, 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 and just, you, you want to give him a hug, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. The, uh, I forget who it was, it was a writer, I think it was an SCTV writer, because I don't think it was another cast member that were talking about being assigned to go write a sketch with John Candy, and uh, it was... He was just Dale Griffith the whole time. Like, we got to write this sketch, John. I will write a sketch after you catch a fish because he has a lake on his property. <laughs> and so they, they fish for five hours and he hasn't caught a fish. Uh, okay, well, let's go write the sketch. Let's go write the sketch after you see every car I've ever owned. And he's got a garage that oh, has geez. every car that he ever owned. And so this guy is like on this fool's quest with John, <laughs> with John Candy. That's funny. Yeah. All right, Michael. Final oaf. Final oaf. <laughs> My last oaf is the very sweet-natured dog, Doug, from oh, Movie Up. That's, that's nice. Fun sweet. Where yeah. Doug is just uh, the most well, like many dogs you've ever met, the most well-intended, well-natured, lovable just wants to help out, just wants to be your best friend in, you know, in spite of his own kind of yeah. lack of intelligence, lack of, uh, you know, you're introduced to this guy as he comes up to him. He's like, hello, I've just met you and I love you. Yeah. And he's speaking through this robotic caller. And, um, you know, Carl, as the, as the stick in the mud, the, uh, Carl Reiner. Is it Carl Reiner? Rob Reiner. No. Ed Asner. Ed Asner. You got the character name. There you go. Um, You know, he's just so resistant to anybody, whether it's uh, the little boy that journeys him, that accompanies him on his journey or anybody. He's, he's just, he's, he doesn't want anyone and even the most, the friendliest dog in the universe. And this dog is just put upon Mm -hmm. by like the, the uh, Doberman Pinscher Mm -hmm. alpha character. And, but he's just going along. He's, you know, uh, a head, you know, he's the alpha character. The alpha dog is basically, you know, the evilest henchman of the main villain whose name escapes me too. God, this is a movie I've seen once, maybe twice. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I, all the character names are kind of yeah. falling away, but, um, but he is just so endearing and so willing to help 
find this bird, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't really know what the ultimate purpose is. He's like, I'm, okay, I'm going to go help. And when he, the dogs think he can't help, they send him on like a nonsense mission, just basically do nothing. You're, yeah. You have, he can't really help us. He's so, he's so uneducated, and so let's just push him aside. And of course, that those characters are the ones that end up um, impacting you know the story the most. Yeah, you know, these little side characters that um, their goodness and their strengths aren't um, seen as necessary by the mm-hmm. bad people of the world. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think what separates because I don't think of Forrest Gump as an oaf. He's no. this kind of Candide type of character who just um, goes from one thing, and and he has an amazing number of talents for for a character who is deemed by others to have limited intellectual potential. <laughs> potential, right. yeah, yeah. But what separates that oaf? Uh, and I think sometimes it's even just kind of size and and but Forrest Gump definitely has the kind of demeanor of Doug saying yes to everything in the world and uh hasn't has never met a stranger has not met a person that they he didn't love and support and, and yeah 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 having recently become a dog owner mm. I was thinking about this and about how oafs in general I was thinking about Del Griffith yeah, it's it basically John Candy plays him as just like a big Saint Bernard. Yeah, or just a big, just a big dumb dog. Uh huh. And that's how how so many of these oafs that we've talked about in this episode, I think, are sort of portrayed like dog like. Yeah, they're they're. Uh, I think uh, Doug is a big golden retriever, and they tend to be like the kindly, the kindliest, friendliest dogs around. They're just yeah. Just sweethearts, <laughs> and he's just a big dopey sweetheart, and that's what you—that's what you want out of a dog and out of a, a friend. One of the funniest out of an oaf. Oafs I've seen is Warren Beatty in Ishtar, uh, kind of plays the big doofus to Dustin Hoffman's little doofus, I guess. Uh, little big doofus. You know, I've never seen it. Yeah, it's uh, one third of a great movie. You know, it's—I think it is a a. Hoffman and Beatty working off, I think it's an Elaine May. Yes, yeah, Elaine re- May and Mike Nichols, right? I, I don't know. Or maybe it's just Elaine May. I think she did a rewrite on it or something like that. Yeah, she's involved with it. Though. But the lyrics are very Elaine May because they're just ridiculous. <laughs> but like The Deer Hunter, <laughs> it's a movie that starts out pretty darn good. <laughs> and, right. And then once they leave town. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it was attempting to be a Hope Crosby road picture that... Uh, but. Uh, we we already had spies like us, damn it. Yeah. We don't need a remake of a remake. Hol- Hollywood cocksmith Warren Beatty, le- <laughs> legendary <laughs> poonhound Warren Beatty, <laughs> is uh, uh, has spends no more than like twenty li- lines of dialogue telling Dustin Hoffman, "I wish I could look like you. You're so handsome. <laughs> like you look so good in clothes. I'm just a big lug. I I, I don't look good in anything." <laughs> uh, which is a fun fun part of that. Okay. Uh, so let's rank the oafs. This was just a fun. I'm surprised how much fun this was. Uh, let's rank the oafs um, because I hadn't thought about them in a heck of a long time. Uh, let's go with Hunts Hall. Um, and yeah, I think uh, I learned about him when I learned about Rick Nielsen. Like, how? Why is that guy imitating that guy? Well, that's a weird pull right. for a rock star. Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't expect the Bowery Boys to come up in your in, in your your rock yeah. star category. Yeah, and Bonnie Carlos kind of looks like like maybe like a, a Nazi propagandist or something at some <laughs> in some points too. So right. some weird pulls from that band. Um, 
and Otis, uh, uh, Ned Beatty, rest in peace, and Richard Donner, rest in peace, a double for that uh, film there. And um, let's go with uh, Sloth uh, from the Magoonies, because um, even though Hunts Hall began his oaf career as a child, he's a good good to have a kid. Kids can be oafs too, right? And uh, and the canine oaf, uh, Doug. Is that three oafs? That's four. That's four. Okay, so yeah, so awesome oafs. <laughs> Good job, Ofen. Good job, Ofen. <laughs> Ain't no loafing on those Ofens. Okay, this has been the Mount Rushmore of Ofs. I, as always, am Hamburger Head. Jeff, I'm Jeff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm Richard. <laughs> I'm Michael. Oh, Michael. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can't. <laughs>